This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit visit MyBookie.ag today. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline, Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Walk down, Khalil Mack. Welcome back to Chicago Shuffle, your one and only Chicago Bears podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Brian Perez, and I am once again joined by Alyssa Barbieri. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian Perez NFL. You can follow Alyssa as well at Alyssa Barbieri. We're both bringing you Bears news, notes, and nuggets every single day of the week. We have a little bit of a change tonight. No longer can you find my work over at BearsWire.com because I have been fortunate enough to be offered an opportunity to start providing Bears content to NBC Sports Chicago, which I officially started on Monday. So I'm proud to say that you can now find my Chicago Bears work over at NBCSportsChicago.com. But as always, Alyssa, you can still find her work at BearsWire.com. She's doing fantastic, fantastic work on a daily basis. And even though we're not on the same team in the writing digital space anymore, Alyssa and I continue here on Chicago Shuffle to bring you the best Bears podcast in the podcast world. Alyssa, Welcome back to Chicago Shuffle. Now, you guys remember from the last show, we said Alyssa was somewhat in the path of Hurricane Dorian, but hopefully and thankfully she has not had any uh, uh, problems with the hurricane so far. Alyssa, how are things looking down in Florida for you? And how are you doing this week that we officially have a Bears-Packers game to look forward to in less than 36 hours, basically? I'm very thankful that Dorian didn't do any real damage to Florida. Obviously, the Bahamas, what happened there is just tragic. And my thoughts and prayers go out to them. But luckily, Dorian, it just like skimmed us. And we haven't really gotten anything too bad here. Uh, some, you know, some gusts of wind. But, you know, I was worried um, that power might go out and I missed the Bears Packers game. And I was like prepared to like drive across the state to watch it. But thankfully, I could be in the comfort of my own home. I'm super positive. Listen, that that is 
dedication and commitment to the Bears kingdom, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that Alyssa Barbieri would drive across state lines in the midst of a hurricane barreling down on her home state, she would still make sure she was locked and loaded for Bears Packers to provide you all with the best content available. So Alyssa, kudos to you for being ready to handle that kind of pressure. And when we talk about handling pressure, I don't know if there's any player with more pressure on their shoulders Thursday night than Mitch Trubisky. We haven't seen this guy throw a football since the pre the, the playoff loss against the Eagles last year. We haven't seen him at all in the preseason, obviously part of Matt Nagy's bigger plan to keep the starters healthy and maybe to keep Trubisky somewhat protected from any unnecessary summer p- criticism. What do you think he's going to do, Alyssa, in terms of What are we going to see from Mitch Trubisky in this game against the Packers? How do you think he's going to handle the pressure of the national spotlight staring down the barrel of Aaron Rodgers Thursday night kickoff, the 100th anniversary of not only the Chicago Bears franchise, but also the NFL in general? It is the game of the week, and it happens to be the first game of the season. It almost feels like a playoff game in September. What do you think we see from Mitch Trubisky Thursday night? It's funny because this is kind of the same question we were asking last year. Obviously, different circumstances. This was his first season in Matt Nagy's offense. Now he has that experience. He has that big-time playoff, you know, national spotlight experience. I feel like, obviously, the second year in this offense, you know, the expectation for him overall is to make a sizable leap. And especially in this Packers game, all eyes on him, considering the criticism that he's undergone for, you know, his struggles during training camp. But then you have to think the last time that we saw him in live game action was that playoff game against the Eagles, where he nearly orchestrated that game winning playoff drive, which should have been a game winning playoff drive, you know, and then the narrative is completely different with Trubisky as we're heading into this game. But obviously, you know, what we're looking to see with Trubisky, you know, is that growth going to be noticeable, the growth that Matt Nagy has been talking about? Are we going to be able to see that comfortability in this offense, you know, when he's at the line pre-snap? reading the defense? Are we going to see him reacting more than just thinking? You know, are we going to see that Trubisky from that Eagles playoff game? Or are we going to see the Trubisky that struggled during training camp? So essentially, it all boils down to, are we going to see a quarterback who can lead this team on a legitimate Super Bowl run? Because the bottom line is, we know the defense is there. We know the Chicago Bears will be able to stay in just about every game because they should hold their opponent to a modest amount of points at best, even in week one against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I don't foresee the Packers being able to put up uh, a, a ton of points at Soldier Field. So the question comes down to, is Mitch Trubisky at the point in his development where he can win games, where the Bears win games because of him, not that they win games in spite of him, or that he is just there to not lose a game? That, that switch has to be flipped this season to where Trubisky's a reason why they're winning games because if he becomes that kind of quarterback in 2019, then there really is no limit on the ceiling for this franchise for this season. They could legitimately make a Super Bowl run because now all the pieces for that traditional Super Bowl caliber team are in place. The franchise quarterback, the talented skill players, and an elite championship quality defense. So it really comes down to that missing piece of that puzzle that none of us have the answer to yet, but we will get a pretty good idea if we're going to have in terms of what that answer will be Thursday night. Now I do condition this by saying Trubisky is still a really young quarterback. I mean, he is in his third year. 
It's his second full season as a starter, and expectations are through the roof for him because we have seen some young quarterbacks like a Jared Goff, like a Carson Wentz, Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. We've seen these guys enjoy some high levels of success a little faster than the average quarterback trajectory generally suggests, even a guy like Baker Mayfield. I don't think Trubisky put that kind of season on film in 2018, but that's what's expected from him in 2019. I think the expectation still might be a little bit unfair. He might still not be ready to be in that tier, but he doesn't have to be for the Bears to be a Super Bowl contender or even win a Super Bowl. He might have to get close to that tier, maybe be in that like Dak Prescott range. Maybe he's there already. Maybe that's kind of an, a good comp for him at this point, but he just has to be a player who is shows the capability that he can win games for this team like he did in the playoff game against the Eagles. He essentially won the game for the Bears. He can't control the fact that Cody Parkey missed the field goal or that it was partially blocked or whatever blame you want to put on that special team's blunder. But he established himself in that moment as a guy who can win a game for the Bears, especially in the playoffs. So hopefully he takes that momentum, brings it into the opener this uh, this Thursday night. But he's not the only guy on this team that's got expectations running. I mean, the entire club has Super Bowl expectations, whether it's Khalil Mack and Eddie Goldman and Eddie Jackson or a rookie like David Montgomery or or an allegedly healthy now Allen Robinson. Every single player is essentially coming into this game. Every key player is coming into this game with expectations that essentially they're going to have like a career year, right? It feels like everybody's expecting career years from all the headliners on this team. How do you think the... The club in general, Alyssa, these starters, offense, defense, maybe the superstars, the captains, how do you think they're going to handle the spotlight? Because a lot of these guys haven't been in this position yet. Khalil Mack, for as great as he's been, he's never been on a team that's been considered a Super Bowl uh, caliber team. Allen Robinson has had some really productive seasons in the NFL, but they were for a Jaguars team that was never competitive. You know, David Montgomery hasn't even taken a snap in the NFL yet. Tariq Cohen hasn't been on a Super Bowl team before. He started last season on a team where many people around the NFL thought the Bears were still in that early phase of a rebuilding project. So those expectations like they are this year, they weren't there last year. So every one of these guys, even a Kyle Long who's been on the team longer than any other starter, none of these guys have that experience dealing with expectations. What do you think the team, how will the team respond on Thursday night and in the early part of the season to now having the national spotlight on them as a top 10 team, a Super Bowl contender. What do you think we see from some of the leaders on this team? Like you said, this is something that's entirely new for these guys. They haven't experienced this type of hype, you know, surrounding them this season. And, you know, obviously, you know, they want to avoid the letdown game like last season, right? You know, when you have everyone watching, one of the things that I've been encouraged by this entire offseason is, Every time that people like like reporters have brought up, you know, the high expectations that everyone has for them, they've answered with, yeah, yeah, but we have to go prove it. You know, and again, Khalil Mack did that this week, you know, yeah, you know, we're a great defense, but, you know, we have to go prove it. So they're not letting all the press clippings and all the hype get to their heads. You know, at least that's what we're seeing from them. And obviously now they're going to have to go out on the field and prove it, right? You know, they haven't played, you know, most of these starters have not played since that January game. You know, and while there were expectations in the playoffs and for that team last year, you know, there's so much higher heading into this year where, you know, fans, you know, even some media, this is a Super Bowl caliber team and they need to prove that they can go out there and, you know, not let the expectations get to them, not, you know, falter under the spotlight. And I feel like 
with this team, you know, obviously from what they've said, call it a gut feeling, but I think that they're going to handle it pretty well. Yeah, I think it's all about culture in the locker room. I think it's about keeping the proper perspective, whether it's Matt Nagy making sure these guys understand they really didn't accomplish anything last year. They can't sit back and assume that other clubs are going to be intimidated of them uh, or intimidated by them. They they didn't accomplish anything that that really matters, right? I mean, for Bears fans, last year was a fantastic season. For Bears players, last year was an awesome year. They won the NFC North. But that's over now. It's ancient history. They're not wearing a Super Bowl ring. They're not suddenly etched in history as one of the best teams over the last 50-plus years who could say they've joined that elite fraternity of Super Bowl winners. They, they didn't accomplish that. So I think the culture in the locker room will prevent them from kind of getting complacent. And that complacency, the teams like, for example, when we see teams that lose the Super Bowl, they generally come back the next season and they're just not the same ball club because they just – it's almost like the year before, it's almost like a given. Now we're just going to get back to the Super Bowl. We fell short last year, but we're, we're too good to not get back. And we see it every year. Those teams that lose the Super Bowl, they always have a hard time stringing together a, a successful season in that follow-up year. So I don't think the Bears have that are going to have that problem. I think Nagy has has this team and the, and the whole culture within the locker room and, and just the identity of this team, they still, they still act and seem like underdogs and guys with, with who, with a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, you see it articles like in sports illustrated projecting them to be last place in the NFC North and some of these power rankings lately, having them outside the top 10, you know, the guys read that that's bulletin board material. And I think that's going to help them come out in the first week and really make an impression on the NFL. And, uh, before we move on to our next topic, Alyssa, you have a little note from one of our sponsors. Absolutely. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including the United States Postal Service, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. You can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. And when you talk about making ship happen, Alyssa... The Chicago Bears defense needs to make ship happen on Thursday night if they're going to have any chance of winning this game. And we all know what that means. It starts and, and stops with stopping Aaron Rodgers. And, and I think the Bears fans listening to this episode and NFL fans in general know that the the theory or the, the goal of stopping Aaron Rodgers is literally impossible. You're not going to stop him. It's the old sports adage of you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. And that that is that really applies to Aaron Rodgers as as well as to as you know, it applies to Aaron Rodgers as well as anybody in the league. 
He's the kind of player who could take over a game. We all remember last year's season opener when he essentially rallied the uh, Green Bay Packers to 21 points in the fourth quarter to win the game 24-23. And that was just a gut-wrenching, heartbreaking week one loss for a Bears team that we still didn't know who they were or what they were going to become that year under Matt Nagy. The Bears can't let that happen again, Alyssa. We, we can't see another Aaron Rodgers performance that slices and dices a defense that's supposed to be one of the elite units in the NFL. Because if he does that, you know what the talking heads are going to say Friday and Saturday before the rest of the games kick off on Sunday. Look at what happens when Vic Fangio leaves the Bears. They're not the same defense anymore. Look what Aaron Rodgers was able to do to this Chuck Pagano-led defense. It's not the same team. Bears are, quote-unquote, in a regression. That word that's literally turned me nauseous this offseason. If I heard the word regression one more time, I, I, I'm going to end up in a depression. But the, the, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't see any way that Aaron Rodgers will have his traditional Aaron Rodgers game against the Bears because when you look around the Packers' offense, there's issues with obviously the Aaron Rodgers and, and Matt LaFleur dynamic, which we'll talk about in a minute. But he has Devontae Adams and kind of cast of okay weapons around him. You know, Jimmy Graham is not the same player he was in New Orleans. Aaron Jones is obviously a quality running back. But, you know, these other receivers that are going to be complementary players, Geronimo Allison, a good player, but he's not a guy that strikes fear in a defense. So I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is necessarily going to have the weapons at his disposal that he's used to playing with in the old school Bears-Packers matchups. And when you add to that, the variable of how good this Bears te- defense is from a pass rush to the to the, even the, the mid-tier of the defense with the linebackers, Roquan Smith being you know excellent in coverage, Leonard Floyd even being excellent in coverage, the speed of the linebackers on that second level, and even the safeties and cornerbacks now. I mean, I, I just can't see it. What is your gut feeling telling you, Alyssa? What is the Bears defense going to look like when it comes to stopping Aaron Rodgers Thursday night? Look, the question is always going to be, can the Bears stop Aaron Rodgers? Because as we've seen over the years, Rodgers has been a Bear killer. But, you know, this is not the same Bears team, you know, that Rodgers has faced over the years, right? This is a completely different defense, right? You know, even last season when he mounted that that miraculous comeback, you know, this is not the same defense. This defense has proven they are capable of stopping him, as we saw in that Week 15 game where they locked up the NFC North, you know. They brought the pressure on him. They had those five sacks. They held him without a touchdown. They forced one of the two interceptions he had all year. And he held him to a pass rating that was under 70. You know, this defense is certainly capable of it. They're bringing back all of that talent. Yes, obviously that term regression is going to come up. The first sign of trouble with this defense is going to be like, oh my goodness, Vic Fangio, this defense is not the same. But there's no way that Aaron Rodgers just completely unloads on this defense. You know, the past... He might have, you know, but this this is not the same defense that he's gone up against. And it's not even, you know, last year he saw what may have been the most dominant performance of Khalil Mack all season, and it still wasn't a Khalil Mack that he's going to see Thursday night because that Khalil Mack didn't have a single pre uh, training camp practice with the Bears. He came in to Chicago a few days before the regular season. He was not in football shape, and he still almost single handedly won the game for Chicago and. The second time they played, I mean, Cleo Mack was was playing on one ankle essentially for the second half of the season. So Aaron Rodgers really hasn't even seen the best of Khalil Mack, which is pretty damn scary. Um, 
so I, I think there is a lot of, of truth behind what you said. I, I just don't see Rodgers being able to unload on the Bears defense as well, largely because, like I said before, it's just a mismatch, in my opinion, of just general talent from the offensive line to the wide receivers to even the running game. I just don't see the Packers having the kind of offensive skill to be able to overcome the the clear advantage that the Chicago Bears have player to player on defense. And the other part of this that is one of the things I'm the most interested in watching unfold on Thursday is the dynamic between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. Because I, I don't know if you saw the clip on on Monday, maybe it was Tuesday, when Matt LaFleur finally seemed like he just had enough of reporters asking him whether Aaron Rodgers is going to have the freedom or flexibility to audible at the line of scrimmage. And LaFleur's like, you know, you could just tell he's had enough of of this narrative that he and Aaron Rodgers are somehow going to conflict on the sideline when it comes to how to run the offense. I I think it's crazy that a first time rookie head coach is even in this scenario where he's asking, uh, being asked these questions. I mean, it's a scenario he created by hinting that audibles are not something that was part of his coaching philosophy that you run the play that's called. So he kind of brought this upon himself and it seems like a pretty dumb thing to do when the guy under center is essentially the most powerful man in green Bay. And let's not forget one of the greatest quarterbacks who's ever played the game. So the one thing you don't want to do is piss that guy off, but I'm really curious to see if the Rodgers and LaFleur dynamic has any moments in this bears game when Rodgers is under pressure, when the defense maybe has a disguised blitz and the LaFleur play call just you know, blew up in Rodgers' face. And maybe there's that moment or two where there's a heated conversation, some frustration on the sideline. I just have a gut feeling we're going to see that, Alyssa. What, what do you think the dynamic between coach and quarterback, how do you think that's going to play out Thursday night? I'm very intrigued because it's, it's completely opposite of what the Bears have in place with, with Trubisky and with Nagy. You know, obviously Rogers got McCarthy fired. You know, who's to say he doesn't have that same power? We know he has that same power. You know, obviously, if Rogers and Lafleur are they going to click? You know, that's the main question that's going to guide this entire thing. The only thing is, we don't really know the answer to that question. And like you were saying, I feel like we're going to get some of that on the sideline. You know, you know, if something goes wrong, you know, you know, maybe you know Lafleur. There's a play call that Rogers doesn't you know agree with. You know, seeing that communication on the sideline, you know that the cameras are going to be pointed right at them. They see them talking on the sideline. They're going to keep those cameras glued, you know, coming out of, you know, training camp, there were reports of some good days, but you know, a lot of bad days, you know, where the offense, you know, was, was struggling a lot, you know, and, you know, we probably won't know how this whole thing is going to work out until, you know, the middle of the season, you know, same with Rogers and Lafleur, but you know, that tension is, but you know, it goes back to even to OTAs, you know, with that structured play calling, you know, you know, and Rodgers wanting that freedom, you know, that control to do what he wants to do. And, you know, Lafleur has since conceded, you know, you know, giving Rodgers that freedom to audible the line, of course, because what are you going to do? Say no to Aaron Rodgers and not let him do what he has done best over the years. One of the greatest quarterbacks, you know, that has ever played, you know, so, you know, looking at Rodgers dynamic, you know, with McCarthy and, you know, signs of how that ended, I'm going to be interested to see how those two react on the sideline, even especially in this first game. And you're so right that NBC is going to have the camera locked and loaded every time the two of them are communicating because you know that we're not the only two people who are intrigued by the drama that is potentially there. 
between these two. And it, like I said, this is something that could have easily been avoided by Matt LaFleur the very first time he was ever asked about a quarterback having the flexibility or freedom to audible or change a play at the line of scrimmage. Any, I mean, if I were the head coach of the Green Bay Packers and I was asked that question, my response to a reporter would simply be, you know who our quarterback is, right? Like, you know it's Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers could do whatever the hell Aaron Rodgers wants to do if he sees an alignment on defense that he thinks requires a different play call. It would almost be like what Peyton Manning. I mean, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is necessarily the kind of, of – um, has even the football IQ of a Peyton Manning because I don't think any player has ever had his level of mastery of an offense and the defense he's facing. But still, I mean, no no coach would ever tell Peyton Manning that he can't do what he did best. All of those years in Indianapolis and in Denver, watching Peyton Manning at the line of scrimmage like a, like an orchestra conductor, just changing plays and pointing out blitzes and yelling to receivers and just on the fly, essentially being an offensive coordinator under center. It is, it was insane. And just so incredible to watch a coach would never, ever take that authority away from Peyton Manning. And I would argue it's almost as sinful for Matt LaFleur to even hint that there's a chance that he would try to restrict Aaron Rodgers and what he does, you know, in the blink of an eye before he snaps the ball, that, that, that freedom and flexibility especially for a quarterback as accomplished and decorated as Aaron Rodgers, a head coach has to understand that you cannot trespass that territory. You can't venture into the world of taking a quarterback like Rodgers and putting him in his place. This is Aaron Rodgers' team. It's not Matt LaFleur's team. And I think for the Chicago Bears, it is such an advantage to be playing the Packers in this first game with LaFleur and Rodgers working together. You may hear an argument from some analysts that suggest, well, this is the first time LaFleur is calling plays as a head coach, so the Bears really don't have film or tape or an ability to understand what kind of Packers team are we going to see. I, I don't buy that. You know, LaFleur's been an offensive coordinator. He was one in Tennessee last year in, in Los Angeles with the Rams. You kind of have the ability to go back and study his tendencies, what kind of plays he likes to call, what kind of offense he likes to run. He didn't have the luxury of an Aaron Rodgers in his previous two stops, so maybe we see a different type of aggressive approach from LaFleur than what we've seen in the past, but it's not like he's going to suddenly pull out of his bag of tricks this miraculous play sheet that nobody in the world has ever been able to study before especially with him. He has a track record on tape. So the Bears are going to be able to have at least somewhat of an idea of what he's going to bring to the table. But what nobody knows is how will he work with Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers and LaFleur don't even know it. They're going into the first game of the season at Soldier Field against the Bears, and they don't even know what they're gonna, what their relationship will breed when pressure's on. When the play clock's ticking down and a play call maybe hasn't come into Rodgers yet. When the Packers are down by a score late in the third quarter and a play needs to be made and Rodgers doesn't like the play that was called by LaFleur. That's when this is going to bubble over. And for the Bears, that's exactly what you want. You want there to be discomfort. You want there to be frustration, maybe a little bit of anxiety and nerves, something that Aaron Rodgers hasn't dealt with with Mike McCarthy for years and years and years. Even if he didn't respect McCarthy as a play caller, he knew he could bully him and call whatever he wanted when he's in the huddle. Can he do that now at LaFleur? You know he's going to try, but how's LaFleur going to react? 
And if those two guys suddenly are in a combustible situation on Thursday night, major advantage Chicago Bears. And that's what all of us Bears fans and analysts are hoping to see. Before we move on to our next point, I want to tell you about another one of our sponsors, Harry's Razors. I use Harry's Razors. And if you visit their website, you can check out all the different shave sets and face care products that they offer. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com backslash blue wire. Why try Harry's? Harry's founders were two regular guys tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price. It's just $2 a blade. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. This summer, now going into the fall, refresh your wallet and your face with Harry's trial set. It comes with a weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, a rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of Chicago Shuffle can redeem their trial set at harrys.com backslash bluewire. Make sure you go to harrys.com backslash bluewire to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to support the show. Now, Alyssa, talking about support, it seems like Trey Burton needs a little bit of support from the fan base because he was a target of some pretty harsh criticism on Twitter when it came out that he was again unable to be a full participant at practice the last two days because of a groin injury that reports are indicating is is not um, associated with his sports hernia surgery from the offseason. It's just another injury. You had some people on Twitter, which you know, I thought it was really unfair questioning his mental health and wondering if this is symptoms of anxiety and everything else. I thought that was a little bit unfortunate reading that because, I mean, we are all human beings. And to, to go there, even let's say it's true. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, the guy's a physical athlete. He's got a groin injury. He probably can't run full speed. The Bears aren't going to put him out there and risk, you know, um, aggravating the injury and possibly costing him more time. So he's a limited participant last two days. There's a 50-50 chance, more likely than not, that he'll play. But is there a reason, do you think, for Bears fans to be a little concerned or even frustrated with Trey Burton, who really kind of underperformed last year in his first season with the Bears when he was supposed to be the quote-unquote Travis Kelsey for this team? He really wasn't. He kind of fell short of those expectations. Do you think Burton, it's it's warranted, the criticism and concern? Or is this kind of like, you know, calm down, everybody. Let's just let the guy heal up and he'll be fine once we get into October and November, I'd like to you know lean towards the latter there, but I feel like there is reason for Bears fans to be frustrated with what Burton you know not only just like the injuries like you were saying his production last year he is supposed to be that Travis Kelsey type of role you know in this offense and that's exactly what this Bears team needs um, you know obviously the mental health aspect I agree it's completely unfair because now that you know we know about that people are taking it and they can kind of, you know, twist it to fit their narrative, what they think, you know, they can, it's very easy to go, Oh yeah. You know, it's just like that Eagles playoff game when you woke up and all of a sudden he had a groin injury, right. You know, so everyone's going to naturally want to point back to that. It's frustrating because he's essentially starting the season. Like he ended the season last year with a groin injury. And, you know, there, I think the cause for frustration, you know, is fair. It is. I I would agree that it's fair from a pure football sense because without Trey Burton on the field, I don't think Mitch Trubisky is, you know, has his full arsenal, his, his the ability to really, um, effectual, you know, effectively run Matt Nagy's offense without that mid-level target 
who really is a better athlete than most of the linebackers and even nickel corners that he would face in coverage. He's bigger than the corners. He's more athletic than the linebackers. And that is that natural mismatch that really would put the Bears offense over the edge. So without him, I mean, you're looking at Ben Braunecker and you know a platoon of these other tight ends that honestly don't offer nearly the kind of upside that Trey Burton has. So it just naturally limits a little bit of the potential on offense. And that is really where the frustration comes from. Um, but all, we'll see. I mean, this could be all to do and a, a big to do, and yet nothing happens from it because Trey Burton lines up and plays and has six catches for 75 yards and a game-winning touchdown. And the thing that will frustrate me the most, Alyssa, is the fans that will that are criticizing him now and maybe questioning his mental health will be the first to praise him and suggest that he's, you know, what a great player. How did he gutted it out? How tough? And I don't think he can have it both ways. I think if you really do believe that he's having mental health issues, then just chill and let the guy do what is necessary to get himself back to a positive mental state to get on the field. If you're frustrated because you think the offense isn't going to be where it needs to be and Burton is the reason for that, and maybe the Bears need a tight end who's a little more reliable and a little more available, you know, go down that path. Don't necessarily question the guy's mental health because he's got a physical injury. That, that to me is a little screwed up. But here we are, Alyssa. We're going to wrap this up. And as always, and what we'll do here in these shows before every game is let's make a little prediction. This is a tough one to predict. You know, Bears-Packers games, no matter what side of the of the aisle you're on, if you're a Bears fan or you're a Packers fan, if you've been watching this series long enough, if you've been watching this rivalry long enough, you know you could throw out all the records. You could throw out the analytics. You can throw out the matchups and the rosters and everything else. There's just something about the Bears and Packers that makes it the most unpredictable game on the Bears calendar every single year, two of them every single year. Last year's season opener was the perfect example. The Bears were supposed to get blown out. And the Bears were blowing out the Packers early in the game. And then the Packers came back and won in the most improbable of ways at the end of the game. I don't know what we're going to see Thursday night, Alyssa. That's why you're going to go first. And then I'm going to have time to think about this. And then oh, I'll close us out. Okay. So the, the floor is the floor is yours. Well, luckily when you were talking during that, I was thinking about it. And like you said, it's always so unpredictable. You know, these Bears-Packer games are must-watch TV for a reason because anything can happen. Um, but thinking about it, I'm going back to what the defense is going to will be able to contain Aaron Rodgers. Obviously containing him doesn't mean that you're going to shut him out. I would be surprised if they shut him out, but I'm going to say that they could hold the Bears defense will hold the Packers to 14 points. So I think my final prediction, I'm going to go 27, 14 bears. That would be as ideal of an outcome as a Chicago bears fan could hope for, because it is a combination of elite defensive play, holding Aaron Rodgers to 14 points, and top-end offensive play, scoring 27 points. 27 points is a winnable output every single week. And if you stop a team to scoring only 14, you're going to win almost every week. I don't know if it's going to be that lopsided. I, I just can't. I just can't wrap my head around the Packers losing by two scores. I do think the Bears are going to win. But I think we're going to end up seeing something very similar to last year from a final score standpoint. I don't think it's going to be as much of a nail biter. I think the Bears will have control of this game. But I think you're looking more 27 Bears. I like that number, Alyssa. 
to 23 Packers. I think the Packers will end up having 23 points. I don't think it's going to be 23 points because they're manhandling the Bears defense, but we might see a big special teams return that puts the Packers in easy scoring position. We might see a turnover from Mitch Trubisky. I mean, it's not unreasonable to expect he's going to throw an interception um, in this game because, again, young quarterback, a lot of pressure. Those throws are going to happen. So I don't expect him to be perfect, Bears fans, because he's not going to be. And I think if you end up seeing a turnover, maybe a special a lapse in the special teams, maybe a guy like Eddie Pinheiro misses a kick, you know, the 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 final score may end up being a little closer than the on-field play feels like it should be. So I would say 27-23. That's where I'm going. Oh, you're doing 27-23. I was going to ask, if you were doing 27-24, would Pinheiro have the game-winning kick? Would you trust him to go out there and make that kick? So my 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 prayer over the next day and a half is going to simply be, or actually when everybody hears this, it's Wednesday. So yeah, it is basically day and a half. Is that Eddie Pinheiro doesn't have to take the field for anything but extra points. Now, if it's 27, that would allege one of two things. He either kicked two field goals and made three extra points, or he missed an extra point. So maybe if I really want my prayers answered, I should say 28, 23. But the bottom line is I don't want to see Eddie Pinheiro Thursday night in any meaningful situation because I don't think, much like Trubisky, it's not fair to the guy. I mean, it's not fair to him to have that pressure in his first game as an NFL starting kicker on you know national television in the biggest rivalry in the history of the game. I mean, that 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 to me is is tough. It's a tough situation to put a young kicker in. Now I have been very vocal in the past in saying if he can't handle, if a kicker can't handle a situation like that, then he shouldn't be kicking in the NFL. So I don't want to backtrack on my words, but maybe in this game, maybe in this game script, maybe in the way the game just unfolds, we don't have to see Eddie Pinheiro, Alyssa. So I'm going to take the easy way out. I'm going to weasel my way out of that question and say, I don't think we're going to see much of Eddie Pinheiro because I think the offense is going to be very efficient. They're going to score touchdowns, and Eddie Pinero will simply put icing on the cake with extra points. I think that's what everyone wants to see, too. You want to see the offense out there scoring touchdowns. So I, I like how you're thinking. And I think everybody wants to hear us again on Chicago Shuffle, Alyssa, and they can next week when we will be back with a recap of week one. Hopefully, it'll be a victory week, and we will be back celebrating a 1-0 start to the 2019 season. If we're 0-1, we will pick apart the game and try to find out all the reasons why the Bears lost. And even if they win, we will go over all the reasons why they won and obviously look ahead to their Week 2 matchup as well. But before we get there, Bears fans, head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the show, review the show, rate the show. Make sure you tell your family and friends and whoever listens to podcasts on their way to work, in the gym, wherever they are, subscribe to Chicago Shuffle. Tell a friend or two. We'd appreciate it. The listenership has grown so much, and Alyssa and I are so appreciative. But we obviously can can we want more? We want we want the shuffling family to get even bigger. So head on over and remember, Bears fans, this is the week. It's Packers week. This is the time to embrace the 2019 season. We all live for this moment. There's two games a year that mean more than any other on the Bears schedule, and we are lucky enough to kick off 2019 with such a monster, monster game Thursday night. We will all be in it together. And most of all, we will all be bearing down and come on back next week to Chicago Shuffle.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.